and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I can't believe Dan has done this to us yet again. I am here to discuss the very difficult to discuss, what have you done to Solange? Dan, without spoilers, what is the plot of what have you done to Solange? What Have You Done to Solange is one of, if not the best, Gialli. It's incredibly grim. Strap in. (laughs) Fabio Testi plays Enrico. He is a gym teacher and Italian teacher at a very posh girls' school. He's having an affair with one of the students. After the very beautifully shot super like pre-opening opening, she sees in bestiallo style a flash of a blade in the woods and maybe some boobs. And then there's a dead girl. And oh, but they can't tell anyone that they saw it because their tryst is illicit because she's a fucking child. So <laughs> and he's married. So and a teacher in a position of authority abusing that. Uh, and so they have to keep it a secret and so obviously he then becomes a suspect because a photograph of him attending the crime scene turns up on the front page of the newspaper when he attends the crime scene like an idiot what follows is uh, the teacher given an astonishing amount of access to an ongoing police investigation while they try to work out why how this girl and then other girls at the school and possibly previous girls at the school are being offed and more importantly why they are being offed it's an incredibly dark film a lot of the difficult subjects subject matter we can't talk about because it's spoilers but it's a very sort of like very challenging subject matter for its time and very timely for this time so I know you love this movie you've asked to do it on the podcast many many times and I've put it off as long as I could precious arrowheads though I I don't know why I'm appealing to the arrowheads because I'm sure 98% of people listening to this also love this movie but what they don't have is an absolutely gigantic framed poster of it in their living rooms like you do you love this film so much what is it that makes it so special for you i think you'll find sam that the post the quattrofoglia in the living room is death walks in high heels i do have a lovely solange poster but it's not up in the living room oh yeah and i think maybe i've gotten confused because they're both they've got a very similar motif of (laughs) someone super offensive some yeah they're both super offensive and they've both got a falling a staggered falling design you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. i know yeah 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 yeah. and and the sort of the multi-frame face exactly and just for anyone who's wondering we did end up doing a double record so um this is part of the shared universe of deadly games in the arrow video podcast world so expect this one to be a little bit stop start as well but dan why do exactly (laughs) stop moving me away from my uh, line of questioning (laughs) Uh, address address the jury why did you love this so much from the very first moment you saw it? Well, so here's a, here's an interesting thing. I hadn't watched the extra features on this disc until this rewatch. Oh, wow. So I've, I've seen this film, I would say, like half a dozen times mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. my life. It was, you know, after all the Argento and, and Zimbabwe and that kind of stuff when I was in my teens, like when I was first exposed to the uh, uh, Giallo in general, um, this happened to be one of the relatively early ones that I, I, I came across. That, was, that makes sense. Sort of devouring all... Yeah. I can yeah yeah so obviously it's going to have that little bit of like nostalgia Mm -hmm. and freshness but what I hadn't realized and and it has somewhat repositioned me on the film not not in my feeling about the film but so 
there's an interview with uh, one of the actresses on the disc and she talks about working with Delamano and it's uh, Karen Bale. She talks about, and it sounds like it was a pretty fucking awful film to work on. I certainly don't think that a lot of what I read about it, like read into it, is necessarily what Delamano was trying to do. I think I was right. being very generous yeah, yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. But I would argue that this is, my God, I've written so many notes. <laughs> about this movie all right strap in um yeah sorry um oh don't apologize like, i'm i'm really interested to hear everything you've got to say dan sincerely what, i know i, I know I, I like I, to tease and, and be you know play devil's advocate and stuff but i do think this is a fascinating film it is an important film shay loves this film and she's seen way more jally than i have i've seen a, a, a fair amount but it's her, one of her favourite genres, so and she loves this one. So I'm not attacking anyone who loves this film, but for me personally, it's not my thing. But anyway, let's hear what you've got to say. Well, it's so I would argue that this is, and this is a sort of sister conversation to a conversation that we have a great many times about separating art from artists. Mm-hmm. But I'd say that this is a contender for being discussed when uh, we talk about Bast and the death of the author Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how what an author intends with a piece of art is not really relevant once it's been consumed by its audience because what they take from it is going to be what it is to them yeah and just just Um, to be clear you're talking about Roland Barthes there and and yeah just in case there's anyone uh, any arrowheads who haven't studied deconstructionist theory and uh, philosophy and all the rest of it um yeah yeah i mean like even even if you're not going to dig too deep it's a fascinating um it's a fascinating way to look at art yeah, uh, yeah and yeah. i think that he's 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 worthy of a, a cliff note style peruse if mm-hmm, nothing else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think nothing else. I think he's yeah. a lot more than that. But and I, and I recommend like... Jean Baudrillard as well if you're going to go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Arrow Philosophy Podcast. <laughs> but anyway, back to uh, back to this murder fest. So, so I think what what we're presented with is this incredibly patriarchal world. It's even though it's set um, a couple of years after quite a lot of like important rights were sort of introduced for women in Britain, it sort of ignores them and posits itself in a in a place before that. And I think that some of that is based on the fact that it's a loose adaptation of an Edgar Wallace novel, which was mm-hmm. obviously written quite a lot before that. But like, so it it there's a I don't know there's a very peculiar. Um, Fabio Testi, who plays Enrico, goes through a weird metamorphosis in the film, and to some extent it's an unjustified transition to a more sympathetic role halfway through the film. But I also think it's about him being different things around different people and around different women. And a lot of the movie, uh, like, it's super male-gazy. Like, all Gialli are are sort of innately quite lascivious. I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of that. Uh, feel to them Mm -hmm. but in this it feels and again like this is me projecting on it but it feels like it's judging that more than other films have done in the past there's an amazing shot where like the police are wildly inappropriately um showing grieving parents an x-ray of their dead child with the knife still in the kid like visible on the Mm x-ray and it does a slow push in to the like the teary face of the mother and then it does like a hard cut and you realize that actually you've pushed in on the face of the mother crying at the funeral not in the police station and it's about this sort of like pervasive sadness that's brought around Mm. like the language of the film is fucking great i don't necessarily think that this is massively sensitive to um the trials and tribulations of women i think there's a couple of elements here that maybe 
push away from that reading of it. But I are you talking? Are you talking about the bit that could have been lifted out of *Birth of the Crystal Plumage*? Well, uh, yeah, am- amongst other things, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and we did actually get a tweet from someone who said that that they'd watched the film kind of in preparation for the podcast, I think, and they said something along the lines of, "Boy, does this film hate women." I don't necessarily think that the film hates women, so I can c- kind of see where you're coming from, but I don't give it the leeway. That, that you give it i think that this is the culture in which it was made hated women and well it, i think i definitely agree that it depicts a world that hates women yeah exactly i don't agree with the idea that this was a film that was made to attack women though obviously there's some very very challenging difficult stuff in there but i do think that this film wouldn't necessarily get made today even though there are elements that are very relevant i think kind of the mixture of violence, sleaze, and the ultimate kind of end point. It makes for a very, very dark, gruelling horror movie that I can see why people think, oh, wow, this is so cool, this is so fucked up. And it's actually not those elements that I have a problem with either. Like, it's more that I just found it a bit boring and didn't latch on to Fabio Testi's character, which is why I kind of find it a bit boring. I was just like, ugh. Let's just get to the end and find out who the killer is. Oh. Had you seen it before? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm i talking about my oh. first watch of it as opposed to... This is why I tried to put off watching it so many times because I'd seen it before and I did find it, you know. It's not for me. I'm very, very hit or miss with Jalo, by the way. Like, there's stuff that I absolutely adore. Like, obviously, I love the Argento stuff. I love Torso. I love, you know twitch of the death nerve like jello mixed in with my favorite films of all time but i'm not one of these people yeah oh yeah you you know i love that one that's an amazing movie and and yeah quiet place in the country like there's loads of that kind of thing that i love um perfume of the lady in black like i could list many many titles but i don't seek them out like, I'm not one of these people that has to watch every single one, as I think you and, and Tony probably are. Like, if you find out there's one you haven't seen, you jump on it straight away. Oh, yeah. Whereas, you know, that that's not really my thing. So I am slightly biased on the other end of the scale. It, I am a little bit more kind of hard to please. But this is still a, a, a well-made, very important giallo. I'm, I'm sitting here, I've just realised, I'm sitting here saying that Oh, you know, I don't love Jalo as much as like Dan or, or Tony or, or maybe some people listening to this. But I still like I wrote a, an article for the Arrow website about how to make the perfect Jalo and broke down basically the the most significant scenes and how you kind of could pull them together to make the ultimate Jalo. And when I wrote that piece, I did include a murder from this movie. I don't know if I want to spoil it by reading out what I said about it. But kind of the point is, is that Jali, basically the murderers frequently invade our safest spaces, killing their victims in places they kind of like to relax the most, like art studios or living rooms or frequently bathrooms. And that's as far as I'll go talking about this one in relation to that article but if you have seen Solange you want to read what I think about it go to the Arrow website read that piece but yeah great moments some cool stuff but overall Solange isn't for me
But I'm glad you picked it. I'm glad we talked about it. Do you have anything else to say about the actual film itself or, or the extras that you watched? I, I don't know. I, like, it's so hard because I got so excited about talking about it and then I realised immediately that we can't talk about the episode <laughs> because, because it is it is one of those movies where it's really all about how it ties together and, and what comes, yeah. comes at the end. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, there's uh, an, an, uh, a much more obscure Giallo that I... I, I I don't know if it's named after this, but Testy at one point says that the police are blundering in the dark, and then then in 1975, uh, a giallo was made called uh, "The Police Are Blundering in the Dark." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I wonder if that's like borrowed from this. Yeah, it's also quite possibly the film that the giallo that takes the longest to use the phrase "sex maniac" because no one says it until 54 minutes in. <laughs> Yeah, even though we actually follow a sex maniac as our main character. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to identify with or sympathise with a paedophile. <laughs> well, so that's that's a really interesting thing, actually, because I, I ended up doing a whole bunch of research and I'm probably now on a load of lists because <laughs> I just couldn't fucking work out why the police were so chill about his affair with, yeah. like... But I mean, no one wants to be googling what's the age of consent. <laughs> like, no, no, that's tricky stuff. But yeah, no. So he said, but maybe the uh, filmmakers should have. Maybe the filmmakers yeah. should have. <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't look up basic British law. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a bit where there's an interrogation montage where pe- the police are asking uh, other members of the faculty at this girls' school about uh, Fabio Testi, and uh, one of the teachers is asked if he had a predilection towards young women, and his reply is no. Although I'm no expert, of course these girls are, these days a girl of eighteen is not considered a child. Although it might be better if she was. And I was like, oh, okay, well she's eighteen then. I mean, it's still a wildly inappropriate relationship, yeah, uh, for various reasons. But at least she's eighteen. But then later they refer to her as a minor, yeah. which confused me, yeah. Um, especially because they're like the the police officer is referring to her as a minor, and I was like, why did he not care about this when it turned out that Fabio Testi was having sex with her? Well, uh, Dan, um, it, it was seventies Britain, so maybe she was just down the pit. Maybe he was a BBC children's television presenter, and therefore all that kind of thing was just allowed to slide. I mean that too. I I, I wanted to take it down the mining direction, but yeah, <laughs> that is that was also a factor in seventies Britain. All right, shall we move on from the latest difficult thing to discuss on this episode and go to the next difficult thing to discuss, which is the ending. We're not going to spoil it, but is there anything that we can say about it? Because I really feel like this is the whole reason why I said yes to you doing this film. Should we just say, look, spoilers, don't listen to this bit, or do you really think we shouldn't touch it? I think we can't. Yeah. I think we can't. All right. All right. All right. Let's move on to recommendations then. Um, at, us, at, at me on Twitter if you want to talk about the ending. There you go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. But yeah, what have you done to Solange? I, I don't think it's a bad film. It's not one of my favourites. It's just not one that i really wanted to do on the podcast because it is literally impossible to discuss but we've done it now dan you happy i'm very happy (laughs) good well that's that's very important so uh let's move on to recommendations what have you got first well sam i'm going to recommend a new film oh wow from this year what yeah it's called men oh men yes men oh men (laughs) the other title (laughs) The working title. I, I've gone back and forth about my feelings on men 
since I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's expertly made. It looks absolutely gorgeous. It's got an incredible soundtrack, and the performances are pretty spectacular. Plus, it's got some very cool things that happen in it. My back and forth was really just about whether a male writer director was the one to tell that story. Yeah. But that definitely that that also makes it feel like it fits with uh, what have you done to Solange? Yeah. Um, those of you who haven't seen it, and I know that the internet kind of lit up about it when it came out. Men is a movie that with rather broad strokes and very bold allegory addresses the the female experience the misery of the female experience in modern society it's uh it's it's based around a young woman who goes away to the countryside to to process some grief from an event and is slowly surrounded by an increasing level of weirdness and doppelgangery I don't really want to say anything more about it. It goes pretty wild in the third act. Yeah, I think it's it's a, one of those ones where if you see it at a cinema, and it may be too late for that now, but if you see it at a cinema and there are people who don't expect the ending, like who aren't the film's target audience, you're going to have a good time because their response is going to be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I again, I wasn't a massive fan of Men. I had similar problems with it that, that you had. And yeah, I just, I, I found that it didn't really trust the audience like for something that was trying to be weird and surreal it really kind of held people by the hand yeah i think yeah it could have done i think it probably the the weirdness was probably traded with the mm. production mm, for a bit sense. of hand holding yeah that makes um, sense like leveraged you know my my big thing about it was like couldn't alex have like written it and executively produced it and then giving it to a female director. There you go. I complete. That was the main. Like I think that kind of would have solved the main main issues with it. Yeah. But like I'm, you know, I'm glad it exists, if only for that amazing sequence right at the end. Next from me is uh, Black Christmas, which is a creepy, sleazy post jalo slasher with a feminist subtext and a, a subplot that I can't discuss without spoiling things about Solange. But it feels like a distant sister movie to Solange with those jalo elements. Best seen at Christmas, unlike Solange, which is definitely an Easter watch. Uh, Black Christmas. <laughs> I recommend it. Dan, what's next from you? I like that, Sam. That was very funny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, obviously, I have to recommend What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Yeah, yeah. Which is the probably slightly less seen, but still, like, still pretty good, weird uh, sequel, which would go well with Teenage Prostitution Racket, the horrible film but yeah what have you done to your daughters it's delamano again uh in the uh in the driving seat as it were and there is a lot more driving in it it's another jelly i don't really know what i'm like yeah the, the police discover a teenage prostitution racket <laughs> uh while investigating a murder um and it's another pretty sleazy giallo yeah and a sort of sequel to what have you done to solange there you go yeah all right yeah that's uh a pretty perfect double bill i have a not as perfect double bill recommendation but it's also one that i think i recommended on the very first episode as a a recent watch but i'm still going to say the house that screamed spanish school set murder mystery from the late 60s with a hell of a third act it's beautifully put together yeah beautifully put together you'll never see where it's going the house that screamed i recommend it and if you want to hear me talk more about it go back to The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is another film that I would recommend above this film. 
All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we've argued loads recently. Uh, we need to... Actually, no, we didn't argue last time. We both hated the film. This is our first <laughs> argument for a while. Anyway, <laughs> past couple of weeks... How refreshing. How refreshing. <laughs> All right, past couple of weeks... Dan, what have you got for us? I know you love it when I do this, Sam. Oh. I have no idea if our listeners love it when I do this. Yeah, I, feel like, I think they do. I'll tell you what, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to ask for a bit of feedback. Does it annoy people when I recommend films that are spectacularly hard to find? Yeah, and, and at me in that reply as well, because I'd like to know. Yeah. Like, I think people like it. That's it. And we go back and forth. You yeah. you often balance it out. You you do some 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 like maybe you missed it gems as well. Like you balance it maybe slightly better than I do. But but like you can find these films. It just takes a bit of digging. And I think that those those are the gems. Like those are the things that are exciting. And also hopefully by mentioning them, they they start turning up on the zeitgeist and people will, will do uh big releases of them yeah i was uh, about to say i tell you what tell you who does like them blu-ray distributors because the amount of films that you and i have recommended that haven't been available on this podcast that have gone on to have a blu-ray release like i've been yeah. going through the letterbox and the amount of titles where we've recommended it and within a year have been released on blu-ray it cannot be a coincidence we're definitely being listened to by uh other companies um so maybe one day arrow will release something that we've uh <laughs> they've done a few they've done a few. Arrow yeah no they have to be fair yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah anyway yeah, we, we just have to live with it sam we're tastemakers we're tastemakers yeah I don't even know if people use that phrase anymore uh influencers <laughs> oh uh so anyway with that little side note good luck finding <laughs> uh, it's called christmas present mm. it's directed by poopy avati mm-hmm who did Zida, among other things. It's not a horror film. Uh, a group of friends who haven't seen each other for a long time due to a falling out, which is not explicitly explained at the beginning, um, but meted out through flashbacks in the movie, and even then very obliquely, um, meet to rekindle an old tradition, which is the the Christmas poker night. And they have invited along a, a very wealthy stranger who wants to join their poker game but every single person at this game has an agenda of some kind and some of them are out and open to us the audience but not to the other characters some of them are hidden even from us the audience it is there's a lot of lying going on a lot of old like a lot of uh, spilt milk between these various friends and it's absolutely fantastic it's it's such a quick like it feels like maybe like a bit like a stage play but it's an absolute like like so fast paced for being a film that is ostensibly just a lot of people talking yeah uh christmas present it's absolutely lovely i discovered after watching it that there is a sequel which i have not managed to track down but stand by for me to get excited about that if i ever find it i haven't seen or heard of that one so that is a recommendation for me very excited about that. My first recommendation does indeed balance out uh, Dan's uh, Obscuro, Obscurama uh, wreck there, which does sound excellent. I am going to ask you to watch Marathon Man. <laughs> you can't get much more accessible than that. It's another one that's been on my watch list for, for years, uh, like Parallax View last time. And it was part of that wave of paranoid thrillers I was watching. It's it, one of those films that's just so talked about, especially the dental torture stuff, that I just didn't bother watching it. And I'm really glad I did. So again, recommending it to anyone out there who's like me and hasn't caught it yet. It's much more interesting than I was expecting with a unique and surprising structure that really kind of kept me guessing 
right up to the midpoint. It feels like an influence on Tarantino. I bet he loves it. And bizarrely, it appears to be a clear major influence on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, of all things. There were (laughs) several moments that reminded me of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is a fucking amazing film. The best Indiana Jones movie. But anyway, we'll move on. Marathon Man, starring one of my favourite actors, Dustin Hoffman. I recommend it. And if you can watch it, in a triple bill with the Parallax view and the Manchurian Candidate, the original, I recommend that too. So, yeah, yeah Marathon that's Man. Good. That's it, a good time. It's good. Dan, how do you feel about Marathon Man? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I go so far as to say it is safe. Safe? Yeah. Oh, that took me a moment because it was the first time I've watched it. Um, but that's a <laughs> reference. That's a reference, our heads. Um, it's got a fucking great car crash in it as well. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really great. And would you like to tell the story of uh, what happened between Sir Lawrence Olivia and Dustin Hoffman when they were filming the dental torture scene, Dan? Cause you... I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've been informed that this is apocryphal, but I'm going to oh. cling on to it because I love it. Yeah, me I too. Love it. Yeah. So the story is that uh, Dustin Hoffman would go out and hoon it around running to, to be suitably out of breath um, for his scenes because the character is, is training for a for a marathon and um and olivier uh, asked him what he was doing and he explained uh, and olivier said my dear boy have you considered acting <laughs> yeah i i i actually i have a different version of this apocryphal tale like all good stories that are passed around from word to mouth i heard that it was actually during the dental torture scene and that hoffman was having trouble getting himself into the correct state of mind in order to be experiencing, you know, the dental torture. And because his method, he didn't have anything that he could draw upon. And that's when Olivia said, my dear boy, have you tried acting? Either story is pretty fucking great, though. So, um, yeah, that is the Rashomon section of the Arrow Video podcast. Dan, what's next from you? (laughs) Uh, I watched No Exit, which I really, really enjoyed. It's on Hulu in the States. It's on Disney Plus in the UK. It's... Yeah, it's a, a tight indie thriller. It's a little contrived in places, but not in a way that is off-putting. Um, uh, a young woman breaks out of rehab to visit her her ill mother uh, because, you know, for what she thinks might be the last opportunity she gets to, to see her alive and is then stuck out in a, in a way station because of a blizzard. She falls asleep in her car and is then escorted to the, to the way station by the police. And she is then stuck... Uh, do you remember Identity? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really liked Identity, yeah. yeah. I liked Identity as well. Mm. Big rain rig in it. But yeah, <laughs> she's she's stuck out of this place, Identity style, with a bunch of strangers. Uh, and then, I, I, like, I'm going to say it, even though it's like mid-first act, so I, I would normally consider it slightly off off limits but it's so all over all the marketing for it she discovers that one of the cars outside has a little girl like tied up in it and so one of the people in this way station must have kidnapped this girl and more importantly there's like a horrible ticking clock because it's so cold outside in this blizzard that the girl's not going to survive the night Mm. it's really fun it's got some great tension in it it's got some great violence in it yeah i really enjoyed it awesome yeah I'll, i'll check it out and that's a a 2022 release that's right isn't it that is indeed yeah well i am also going to do a 2022 release so this is a preview of our end of year special because this will almost certainly be in my top 10 at the end of the year and um 
we're recording this in advance, so I don't even know if this will still be in cinemas when uh, this episode goes out. But I fucking loved Elvis. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Holy shit. Gorgeous and tacky, often at the same time. It is a perfect tribute to the king. Austin Butler deserves the Best Actor uh, Award more than anyone in the history of the Oscars. He didn't play Elvis. He was Elvis with a performance I would genuinely describe as transcendent. I am not going to go into any more about this because I am definitely going to have this in my top 10 at the end of the year. It's currently sitting at number one in my, like, you know, tentative list, which obviously we update frequently. But yeah, I absolutely adored this film. It's like someone vomited glitter onto Goodfellas. And if there's anyone involved in promotion of Elvis, feel free to put that on the Blu-ray cover. Elvis, I recommend it. Uh, Dan, have you any interest in seeing Elvis? I know you're a big fan of Cats, so you do like musicals, but... (laughs) have you got any interest in this one no (laughs) (laughs) there we go i was i they they played a trailer for it in front of men when we went to see that and i was with a friend of mine who i i watch a lot of movies with but he's not like he's not one of ours sam yeah 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 and he and he he turned to me and he said you, you got any interest in that? And I kind of forgot who I was talking to. And I just went, why the fuck would I have any interest in that? <laughs> because it's good, Dan. Do you know what? I, I I had almost exactly the same experience with Shay. I think it played before, not men, but it played before something we were watching. And I turned to her, looking hopefully at her, and she just gave me a very, very quiet shake of the head. Eyes shut. No, no, Sam. We're not going to see that together. So I went to see it on my own and I fucking loved it. Elvis, the (laughs) film of the year, the film of the decade, the film of the century. I recommend seeing it on not just the biggest screen possible, but do your very best to project it on the side of a mountain. Elvis, 10 out of 10. It's good. (laughs) What's next from you, Dan? (laughs) Uh that's it i think we're done oh but again i I would say that this is this is going up on monday the first of august Uh so if you're listening to this at 11 in the morning uk time yeah and you live in london yeah then today Uh today is the day that the human condition plays at the prince charles oh nice get yourself down there still got time you still got time to get there it's like eight eight thirty something like that i'll be there i can't wait fantastic I hope this goddamn heat is over although the prince charles is beautifully air-conditioned god and when this goes up we should probably start talking about fright fest day let's go into extra features extra features extra features extra features uh fright fest is happening at the end of the month i haven't watched any screeners yet but expect recommendations for stuff to see on the next yeah, episode absolutely. but yes dan you are doing something special at fright fest aren't you yeah, I'm going to be uh, turning up with a very bad papier mache puppet of Sam that I found. <laughs> oh, please! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I make absolutely zero promises on, on in honouring that because I'm incredibly busy. He's definitely going to do it. If I get a it. chance, I will. Yeah, yeah, I will do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, That's definitely going to happen. Ha- yeah, yeah. Little yeah. hand puppet of Sam. <laughs> Sam, didn't you get didn't you get 3D scanned and made into a 3D printed Captain America? I did, yeah, for the promotion of uh, the Winter Soldier, but I don't know where that is. I'm, I'm I afraid. wonder if someone. I, well, I was wondering if someone still had the scan. 
Yeah, I... I could print a full-size Sam head. Uh, I mean, that's the dream. But um, don't worry, Dan. I'll just send you photos from every angle of my head and uh, uh, send that to you <laughs> after this uh, episode. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll give you, as a, as a sort of extra features, I'll recommend another film I saw recently oh. because we delayed the recording of this slightly. So I've been to the cinema between when we were going to record this and e- now. Oh, nice. Uh and I don't know if it's come out in the States yet, but I saw Brian and Charles on Thursday. It hasn't come out, but I am desperate to see it. It's part of, um, yeah, the the people involved in it were part of my scene, my era of stand-up. So, um, yeah, I, I'm desperate to see it. How was it? Yeah, it's, I, it's charming. It's really good. And it's the closest thing I'll ever get to a live-action movie of Tin Ribs. So. Oh, amazing. I will, I will definitely watch that. Um, you know, probably after I watch Elvis five more times. Um, not how long is Elvis? Uh, it's just under three hours. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I think it's like two hours thirty nine or something like that. It flies by it's though, Dan. It flies too by. long. <laughs> but you like cats? Yeah, I like I like cats and and psychedelic drugs. <laughs> All right. Well, on that absolute bombshell, that's going to get us both arrested. Uh, extra features, extra features, extra features. We've done that. We've I, done. Well, fri- I, I didn't. I didn't actually say what we're doing at Fright Fest. <laughs> oh yeah, good. Okay, yeah. Extra features. Uh, what What are so, you doing yeah. at Fright Fest? So uh, there will be a sort of a version of uh, of the podcast without Sam. So we'll do it as like an in memoriam thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yes. But- Can you like play like clips and stuff on on the screen yeah. behind you? Yeah, great. And and uh, <laughs> wind beneath. Our wings or whatever it's called. Oh, thank God. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Candle yeah. in the wind. Yeah. The oh, there you go. Even better. Or or why uh, not, you know, uh, an Elvis track? You know, there's, there's many, many Elvis tracks that would be appropriate. You know, Suspicious Minds does uh, leap, leap to my... Anyway. I'm doing that. Come along. I've also got four films that I did effects for playing at the festival, uh, which is very exciting. What uh, what movies? A Wounded Fawn, we've got Swallowed, we've got Walking Into the Rain, and we've got Hazard, all of which are very, very different and very fun. Excellent, excellent stuff. And yeah, on the next episode of the Arrow Video Podcast, which we don't know what it's going to be yet, but we do know, maybe it'll just be an actual Fright Fest special. We haven't done one of those for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's do a Fright Fest special next time. And we'll recommend a whole bunch of movies um, that you can check out at the fest. But yeah, do go along and see the live Arrow Video Podcast episode, even though it's going to be substandard by its very nature, because I'm not there. Dan, Dan will still do a good job. It won't, it won't really be substandard. That's all anyone can ask. It'll be better. It'll be better. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing it myself. So yes, please go and support Dan. And um, yeah, that's it social media how can people follow you dan the only way to contact me on social media is by leaving reviews on spotify and itunes for this podcast oh the only way you can reach me yes that's a great idea because i was thinking about this recently we don't think we're getting the emails anymore because we haven't had one for such a long time uh, and, yeah, we, and we're terrible at remembering to ask Lou about it. Yeah, and uh, oh, it's not Lou's fault at all. It's it's no, um, no, no, it's not. It's not at all. No, 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 no. Been, it's all it's all go over at Arrow Towers. Yeah, and it's all go over at Sam and Dan Towers, which are separate buildings um, in different countries. But if you have anything to say to us, anything at all, put it in a review on iTunes and give us five stars, because um, obviously, you know. 
you're going to do that anyway. You don't need me to tell you to do that. But if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, rather than sending us an email because we're not getting it, put it in a comment on iTunes or Spotify. iTunes, I'm more likely to see it. I think Spotify, Dan will see it. But either way, if you want to communicate with us, put it in a comment. I don't think that breaks the rules, does it? Dan? No, I don't think no, so. No. That's allowed. Good. You can complain about us being woke like that one guy. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> I saw I saw someone on Twitter complaining that warnings about the impending like weather emergency in Britain were too woke. <laughs> and that it was ridiculous to tell people to drink water and be careful. Oh my god. Oh my god. Don't tell me what to do. I'll fucking die of dehydration if I want to. Well, well, we'll probably get some complaints uh, over being too woke on this episode, but, you know, I can never predict these things. Yeah, we're just humans who, who want other humans to live their lives in the way that makes them both happy as long as they aren't hurting anyone else. And if that's controversial, yeah. then <laughs> I don't know what to tell Apparently you. Apparently it really fucking is <laughs> yeah, these days. Exactly. <laughs> but on that note, I'm going to say you can follow me at Sam Ashurst on Twitter and at Sam Ashurst 23 on Instagram. And uh, yeah, you did yours, right, Dan? Before we got sidetracked. Well, I, said just, I said you could just contact me on the oh, on, yeah. on the reviews yeah, and I'm going to stick to that. That was genius. Uh, it, same here. Forget that. Don't follow any of those things. <laughs> just do what Dan said. And thank you so much for listening. And we really mean this this time because this has been another yeah. shambles. Uh, we promise to be more professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Next time. Bye. Bye.